And I'm going to begin in verse 15. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 15. Paul says, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness, and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin, and become servants to God, Ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. May God bless his word. Let's bow together in prayer. Our God in heaven, we rejoice at the opportunity we have to gather together today. And um, Lord, we just want to ask you to tend to the many needs in our church as precious folks that are part of this fellowship uh, all across southeastern Pennsylvania. Um, Lord, have needs. I'm mindful of, um, of Ethan right now and thanking you, Lord, for the grace that you've given to him. And I pray for his healing. I pray for Jen that you just strengthen her as she faithfully serves her children and her child. And uh, Lord, I pray that you just meet the Alice's needs and just lift their burden, Father, and show yourself strong, please. Use it for your glory. Also pray for Patsonino, Lord, that you'd encourage her heart, help her uh, to heal, and as she goes into rehab, that she would experience strength upon strength, and that you would encourage Jim to be uh, everything he needs to be for her. He would be her rock. Most importantly, Lord, that you would be their rock. Again, for Portia and the dear folks that have been ministering to Peg Rogers over the last couple years, we pray that you would comfort them and uh, just help them lift their load and guide them as to the different steps that need to take place. And uh, Father, we thank you that now she is rejoicing in your presence and uh, we look forward to being reunited with all our dear loved ones that uh, have died in Christ. And uh, Father, we ask you to bless the scriptures today. Help us who live in these earthly tabernacles, who uh, experience the infirmity in the flesh, help us to understand what Calvary has done for us in the daily struggle of temptation. And we ask your blessing in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And you may be seated. No, that's not how we roll here. 
Um, Gore is one of our deacons, and um, this past week I was at a conference Monday through Wednesday, and uh, we had this um, issue going on with our chairlift that I would not have been able to deal with it. And the last two weeks, Gore has taken the ball and uh, contacted the company and uh, just made himself available to come over, let the guy in. He's uh, made numerous phone calls, and I am so grateful for Gore uh, for that. I, I would not have been able to deal with it the way that I, the way he dealt with it. Uh, so just to let you know, those of you, of you that are online, we have had someone come. Gore has had someone come and look at the chairlift. There is a, a wire that melted. They've ordered the part. It has not come in yet. So I am praying that it will be done this week, and then next week we'll have our chairlift. You don't realize how much you depend on something until it's not available. And I am so thankful uh, that we have had that chairlift. And I'm so thankful for Gore, uh, who is right now with his wife, uh, tending to um, Peggy, uh, her situation. Those that joined us late, Peggy Rogers, who has been a longtime member of Bible Baptist Church, uh, went home to be with the Lord this morning. And uh, that lady is tenacious. Uh, There were many times when, when I was helping to take care of her, where I would go over to Peg's house or somebody would call me and say, Pastor, I'm knocking at Peggy's house. She's not there or she's not answering. And I'm talking for years. I thought I was going to go and find Peggy with the Lord. And sure enough, she just slept through the doorbell or something like that. So uh, she is now finally rejoicing in the presence of the Lord. And we praise the Lord for that. All right, let's like you to turn your Bibles to, to Romans chapter 6. We just sang, I need thee every hour. And uh, <clears throat> the second verse, I need thee every hour, stay thou nearby. Temptations lose their power when thou art nigh. Temptations lose their power when the Lord is near us. I want to talk about that. Uh, this will probably, I'm going to take my time, and um, so I'm guessing this will be a two-part message. But next Sunday morning, uh, we're not going to be doing this part two, because next Sunday morning we're going to have a, a precious parent-child dedication, and then I'm going to address that issue of the privilege of being a parent. And uh, Johnson, we look forward to that. Uh, what a blessing that will be. It's always such a blessing to have precious children, to see these little ones come up in front of us, and just to see the cuteness. And the cuteness factor is going to be very high on Sunday. I'll tell you that, okay? All right, so anyway, we're going to talk, though, about what's this idea of the temptations lose their power when thou art nigh. And we are going to expand the next two Sundays uh, today and then probably in two weeks or whenever whenever we get to part two, basically we're just going to be expounding Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 23. That is the text that gives us so much help on something that you and I, as born-again believers, wrestle with. Temptation. The flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit lusts against the flesh, And these are contrary the one to the other that you cannot do the things that you would. Can you relate to that? No, I don't don't struggle with temptation. Well, if you don't, then 
I would ask you, do you have the Spirit of God within you? Because if you have the Spirit of God within you, uh, there's a battle going on. And if you're not experiencing that battle, you're just giving in. And, and, you know, do not despair. And so I want to back up for a little bit. I'm going to give you a little bit of background that led me to expound this specific text over the next two Sundays that I address it. And it has to do with a particular uh, area. Many, many years ago as a new Christian, there was an area that I was very, very weak in when it comes to discipline. And that was my finances. I, back then we used to say that uh, your, your money's burning a hole in your pocket. Because I would get paid, I'd get paid every Friday. And then I'd take my friend Bill and we'd go to the mall and I'd buy an album for me and an album for him. And before the week was over, the money's gone. That was my habit. And then I got saved and I still remember to this day that when I asked my present father-in-law permission to marry his daughter... For some reason, his biggest concern was me handling money. Can you believe it? And so he said, very clearly to me, he said, "Um, before I give you my permission to marry my daughter, I want to make sure that, I want to sit down and I want to make sure that you have a budget. I had no idea what a budget was. But I said, whatever you want. I was in love, still am in love. And I'm like, whatever you want, you want a budget? I'll give you a budget, (laughs) whatever that is. And uh, sure enough, he had reason to be concerned. Because the first few years of our marriage, we went into marriage and I had, I brought into our marriage debt. She brought into our marriage money. So guess what happened for the first few years? We spent her money, you know, I mean, we went through it. And so early on as a Christian, I had to learn finances. And there was a guy on the radio who, um, it was uh, WVCH, I believe it was, and he had a financial show, and then he would take questions. His name was Larry Burkett. Some of you people may remember Larry Burkett. He dealt with biblical principles of finances. And I remember needing that program and he would he would share a lesson on some particular topic what the bible says about finances and then he would take questions and it was there where i heard people first of all i came to realize i'm not alone there's a lot of people that are messed up financially and they would give their different scenarios and then he would give their advice his advice and it just helped me tremendously in fact i go back to Larry Burkett for the reason uh, that I am able to be in the ministry. My wife is able to stay home. We make ministry. You know, the church is very generous to us, but we live off of one salary. My wife homeschools our kids. She's the one that got the the official degree. I, I got Bible degrees and so forth, but she got it. She graduated from Temple. Started out in the medical field, making a lot of money. And then the Lord led us to do what we do. Uh, and I don't say this in a, in a bragging way, because it's only by God's grace. But we are debt-free. We have our house paid off. 
We funded two daughters' weddings in 2021, debt-free. And I cannot tell you the freedom that that is for our family. And we, thankfully, I've been leading our church to be debt-free. And you folks have been very gracious. We haven't had any uprisings. No, you know, anyway, what a blessing. Um, So many, so over the years, I benefited from Larry Briquette. He passed away. He had cancer. But I read, I love Christian biographies. And men like Hudson Taylor and George Mueller uh, were an inspiration to me. You know, Hudson Taylor founded the China Inland Mission. And God called him to be the first missionary to China. And he determined early on, if you, if you ever have an opportunity, there's actually a two-volume set, a biography of Hudson Taylor that is phenomenal. Uh, but you will, you will benefit because Hudson Taylor determined that he was going to go to China and he was going to do it all debt-free. And in one of his journal entries, he made this statement. I've almost had it memorized. I did have it memorized. I haven't read it in a while, so I have a cheat sheet here. Here's what he said in his journal. And he was anticipating going to China, just trusting the Lord to provide his needs. And he said, our Heavenly Father is a very experienced one. He knows very well that his children wake up with a good appetite every morning. He sustained three million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. Wow, think about that. He sustained... Three million, give or take, Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. We do not expect that he will send three million missionaries to China. But if he did, he would have ample means to sustain them all. Depend on it. God's work, done in God's way, will never lack God's supply. He is too wise a God to frustrate his purposes Because of a lack of funds, he is just as able to provide beforehand as afterward, and he much prefers to do so. That last point struck a a chord with me that God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. He is too wise a God to frustrate his purposes because of a lack of funds. He is just as able to provide beforehand as afterward, and he, and he prefers to do that? You look at every building program in the, in the scriptures, whether it was the tabernacle, the temple, the ark, all the different things where God financed them, God provided ahead of time. So I, that bears that out. And so for many years, because of that teaching, um, I started, I, I started out with, uh, you know, Larry Briquette, straight up. Then I started moving into, as time went on, I started moving into Larry Briquette Light. Still did the debt-free thing, but not as, not as disciplined. And, uh, and then I heard a guy on the radio uh, who um, was apparently a student of Larry Briquette's. And, and now this guy takes Larry Briquette, and this guy's a master marketer. I mean, he really is a good, good at marketing. Some of you may have heard of Dave Ramsey. Financial Peace University. In fact, we've 
had that here for several times, three or four times we've done Financial Peace University. And my goal is to, to eventually have someone else take it over so they be the coordinator so we can do it regularly because it really does help. So I, I started listening to Larry Briquette, or not Larry Briquette, uh, Dave Ramsey, and he has, he has these things called debt-free screams. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this. But it's basically people who were big time into debt and then became committed to get out of debt and then it's their story how they did it. And it is inspiring, especially if you're in debt and you're struggling with a heavy weight of debt. I encourage you. There's a podcast. You can find it online. You just listen to a couple dozen of these debt-free screams. They're, They're just testimonies of people that were in debt. And I really started getting into it. Then I found out that he was going to come to Upper Darby. And I end up finding out, it's basically a, a Dave Ramsey pep rally. And uh, it was going to be at the Tower Theater. And I remember thinking, I wouldn't mind hearing this guy. And I thought, but Delaware County, I've been pastoring in Delaware County for two, over two decades and there's not many people that are on board with this debt-free thing, you know. So I, I signed up, and I thought, oh, there's probably going to be like 50 people, you know, 50 people, Delaware County, you know, not many people. It's hard. It's hard getting people on board with the idea of being debt-free. So I went. And folks, there were literally tens of thousands of people lined up. Now, you know, the Tower Theater is a lot bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. And I mean, there were just people after people after people. And I was just dumbfounded. I'm like, where are all these people coming from? What are they bussing them out? They can't be from Delaware County. I've been banging my head on the wall. And, and it's not really this whole idea of living debt free is really not taken on, I thought. And then, and here's what I want. The, the reason I want, this is what led me to Romans chapter 6. He has a, um, he has a, a financial peace university for churches. And again, I'd love to have our church do this. But this is from a video of a plug where he's, he calls this, he calls the financial peace for the church something called momentum. But I want you to listen to what he said. I just, I wrote it down. Here's what he said. He said, imagine with me for a second a church filled with passionate, loving, outrageously generous Christians. Well, sadly, that would take some imagination because only 3% of evangelical born-again Christians give a tithe a tenth of their income. That means that 97% aren't. He says, does that mean that 97% of the evangelical born-again community does not love their church? Does it mean they don't love Jesus? Is that what it means? Does it mean they're greedy, that they're swallowed up in consumerism? He said, I kind of used to think that. But now that I've worked with families for literally decades all across the globe, and certainly in North America by the hundreds of thousands I've discovered that that's just not the case. They're not greedy. They're broke. The Wall Street Journal says 78% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. That's who's sitting in these pews. 
and then we preach a tithe sermon and can't figure out why giving doesn't go up. I must not be an effective speaker. No, you're beating your head against the wall. That's what's happening. He says, I've done it too. So I came up with a different idea when I realized who I was dealing with. And this is the point that what I want to do, because he's talking about, and he's very effective, again, an incredible marketer, in helping people straighten out this area of their lives. And, and what he says here, his observation about Israel is what he's going to go into. I submit to you, it is true for any area of discipline that you struggle in. You want victory over sin and you're battling with some particular sin? What he says about people helping people get over, you know, get their finances in order is true for any aspect, whatever you struggle with. Listen to what he said. He said, um, so I came up with a different idea when I realized who I was dealing with. And if I can get them to look at things differently. By the way, so many times Christians get themselves in sin cycles that they feel powerless. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews, looking diligent, or not, uh, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our, of our faith. It says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. It's usually how it works. There's usually one or two things. The devil has his foot in your door and maybe he's got you so discouraged that you think, I'll never get victory over this. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe you've just lived for decades with this insurmountable amount of debt. Or maybe it's something else. He goes on. If I can get them to look at things differently, because Proverbs 22.7 is the truth. The borrower is servant to the lender. We see that sense of slavery when the money comes in and the money goes out and we don't have the money here to do the kind of giving that we want to, to give. True. Now here's the example. He said, remember, you remember Moses leading the children of Israel right out of Egypt across the wilderness. A few little stops along the way, but we end up at the River Jordan. We send in 12 spies to spy out the land that God has given us, the promised land. 12 spies come back. Ten of them come back with the spirit of Eeyore. Some of you don't may not recognize that Winnie the Pooh reference there. Oh well, oh we'll never be able to do it. The giants are too big, the cities are too fortified. We'll never be able to pull it off. That's the spirit of Eeyore. Of course, we all love the heroes of the story, Joshua and Caleb, who stand up and say, Yes, we can. Our God is able. Well, that's not how it ends up working, is it? They walk away and don't accept the blessings. The first time or two I heard that sermon, I thought, wow, those negative thinkers, they should have had more faith. But, pay attention to this, when you put that story in a historical perspective, it makes you stop and think for a second. You know that group was only days out of 100 plus years of slavery. He's talking about the Jews. And why they were 
so messed up in their thinking in Numbers 13, that text. He said, you've got to remember, they were only days out of the previous 400 plus years they lived in slavery. They had a slave's mentality. It's hard for a slave to see positives. It's hard for a slave to see light at the end of the tunnel that's not an oncoming train. I like that. Because I see that what he's talking about with people struggling with debt and living, just getting out of debt and living debt-free, that becomes such a battle. And I've seen that true with other people regarding other temptations and sins as well. Maybe they don't struggle with their finances. They might struggle with this thing over here or that thing over here. And they have a slave's mentality because they have all they know for the, the past decades maybe is surrendering the besetting sin so that in their mind it's become so big that it's hard to see the positives when you have a slave's mentality. And then, of course, he says, then he goes on and plugs his, his thing. I want you to look at Romans chapter 6. Let's, let's talk about this as we jump into the text. Because what we want to address is a slave's mentality. What is your besetting sin? And if you have conceded in your mind, or you've done everything but wave the white flag of surrender, I want to assure you that by the power of the gospel, there is no sin that cannot be conquered. No besetting sin that needs to be a permanent besetting sin. Because God's power is great. Now we're not talking about sinless perfection. But we are talking about conquering sin habits. So let's jump in. Let's talk about Romans. Romans chapter ones, ones, ones. Romans chapter one through four. Paul presents the great doctrine of justification. And by the way, we're going to look at that tonight as we deal with part three of imputation, the doctrine of imputation. Uh, We've already seen it Sunday nights two weeks ago that Adam's sin was imputed to us, his offspring. Then last Sunday we saw that our sin was imputed to Jesus Christ. He became sin for us when he died on that cross. And tonight we're going to see that now his righteousness is imputed to us. What a great truth. But... Chapters 1 through 4, it's the doctrine of justification by faith. Then, beginning in chapter 5, he talks about the things that are resulting from justification by faith. And really to the rest of the book, after he deals with two specific questions, one in chapter 5 and one in chapter 6, then in chapter 7 he picks up with all the results of being justified by faith. But he answers two anticipated questions resulting from justification. Chapter 6, he answers this question. Isn't this teaching going to encourage people to sin? 
if what Paul says is true about justification by faith and it's not of works, isn't that going to encourage people to just sin? By the way, if you've heard the true gospel, that is a possible false application, but it means that you understand the true gospel. You see, the greatest perversion of the gospel today is adding works to salvation. And all different kinds of false religions have tried to say they believe in justification by faith, but the bottom line is they're still preaching works. And then verse chapter 7 is, second question is, does this mean that the law is useless? By the way, on both those questions, the answer is no. Isn't this teaching going to encourage people to sin? Not if they understand it in the context. Number two, doesn't this mean that the law is useless? And in chapter 7, Paul says no. But here's the bottom line. Let's look at at Romans chapter, where did I say we were going? Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 15. What then, here's the the first question. Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? You can imagine someone here in the gospel that you're saved by faith apart from works. Uh, Paul wrote to Titus and Titus, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the hearing of faith. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. See, if you are going to heaven, folks, it's not because of what you've done. Okay? And so many precious people are trying to earn their way to heaven. You can't. In fact, James makes it very crystal clear in James chapter 2. He says, Whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point. And may I say to you, if you think that you've kept the whole law except once, really, really, Come on now, let's be honest. But if that were so, whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Now I hear that. And I say, we're doomed. We are all doomed. And we are. We cannot save ourselves. It is not of works. If it was, we could boast. Hey, Lord. Let me into heaven. I deserve it. Because look at all the religious stuff I've done. It's not going to be that way. Folks, you and I are going to come to, the, come to Christ if we are accepted into heaven. We're going to come empty-handed tonight. Philippians 2. We're going to talk about how Paul used to think he was going to come to heaven filled with all his righteousness. And then he realized it doesn't work that way. So, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Or excuse me, shall we continue because we're not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Last, last two Greek words on verse 15, meganoe, which literally means it, it's, it's the strong negative. It'd be like when we're saying, no way. 
The word God is actually, the, the word theos is actually not in the text. It is a, a phrase, like when you would say, God forbid, no way, that's the idea. And now he begins the thought. And herein is the information, the help that you and I need if we have a slave's mentality. If you're having a hard time seeing the positives, and I like the way it was worded in that plug, if, if you're having a hard time seeing the light at the end of the tunnel that isn't an oncoming train. You know, that, you know we talk about the light at the end of the tunnel usually as being a sign of hope. Some people have been so decimated by their sin that if they did see a light at the end of the tunnel, they'd probably just think it's an oncoming train. But folks, here's the, here's the answer. Look at verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey. It's a simple principle. No man can serve two masters, Jesus said. So to whom... You yield yourself servants to obey. His servants ye are to whom you obey. This is a biblical principle. And has two applications. Two possibilities. Whoever you yield yourself servants to obey. His servants you are to whom you obey. Whether, here's option one. Sin unto death. That's one. If you, if you and I yield to sin... It's going to lead to death. Or, here's option two, which is not an option for everybody. It is only an option for those who have the Spirit of God dwelling in their life. People who have been born again. People who have been regenerated. The Bible says, um, if any man have not the Spirit of God, they are none of his. And another verse in Romans, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. If you don't have the Spirit of God dwelling within you, you cannot and will not get the victory. So you, the two options. Sin unto death. You can obey sin or you can obey righteousness. Obedience unto righteousness. Now look at verse 17. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. There was an old um, speaker of the house and uh, one of our founding fathers early on named Robert Winthrop. Uh, again, he was the speaker of the house back in the day. And he made a very astute observation about the nature of man. Here's what he said. He said, men in a word must necessarily be controlled by a power within them or by a power without them, either by the word of God or by the strong arm of man, either by the Bible or by the bayonet. I want you, he is observing, when he's talking about lawlessness and anarchy, that's what he said. Again, men in a word, must necessarily be controlled by a power within them, that would be the Spirit of God, or by a power without them, either by the Word of God or by the strong arm of man, either by the Bible or by the bayonet. The challenge. You know, the Bible, Paul wrote this, that the, 
The law was not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless, for ungodly, wicked people that are lawbreakers. For the child of God, who has the Spirit of God dwelling within him, you and I have the power within us. So the first thing to make sure is that you've got the Spirit of God dwelling within you. If you don't have the Spirit of God dwelling within you, you have been fighting a fruitless battle. And by the way, just because... I'll bring this point out later. Someone once said, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Isn't that true? You know, when the temptation, the first temptation comes, we talked about laziness this morning in our Bible study. And uh, laziness, in fact, it tells us in Proverbs how it happens. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, so shall thy poverty come. In other words, it's the little choices. Whatever sin or temptation you struggle with, you can go back and remember the first time you gave in, can't you? Probably. There had to be a first time and then a second time. and It got easier each time. Again, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And that's why it is very hard for someone with a slave's mentality to see the positives. How many Christians have virtually given up in fighting the good fight because one particular sin, and it, it's, it's different for many. You know, I know the Bible says, there hath no temptation taken you but such, such as is common to man. But he is faithful, he will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able Be sure that whatever your sin struggle is, there's other Christians that struggle with it. Be sure that your sin struggle, other Christians have gotten victory over it. That's where we have a hard time, isn't it? We're going to jump into this in in a couple weeks, but I I want to close. We have been praying for a man, and I've said this already, and I want to go into a little more detail. We have been asking you to pray for um, a relative of... Um, we've been asking you to pray for Joanne Tomquitz. That's my mother-in-law. Ed and Joanne, before the quarantine, were coming out faithful. And uh, what a blessing. I had the privilege of baptizing my father-in-law. And I have told people this. They have become my best friends. How many guys can say that about their mother-in-law? You know? You know, You don't hear that. Uh, but I love this couple so much. And, of course, my mother-in-law is battling with uh, various with uh, pulmonary lung disease that is incurable. And, um, and please pray for my mother-in-law. And please pray for my mom as well. She was in the hospital this week for three days. She has a COPD different than my mother-in-law. Um, but both of them uh, are really struggling. Uh, and would appreciate you praying for both of them. Um, but my mother-in-law's, it's actually my mother-in-law's cousin who is young enough that my wife always viewed her as her cousin named Lori, married a guy that we've been praying for named Carl Dietz. Some of you, those of you that have been joining us on our online prayer meeting, 
You know we've been praying for Carl Dietz. A couple weeks ago, I showed you a picture of Carl and Lori just so you knew who you were praying for. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago that Carl has become one of my role models. Uh, And I'm not going to go into detail about it, but Carl, um, there's something that Carl did that uh, I have strived to do that he has mastered. uh, And and I just tell people now, I want to be like Carl when I grow up. He's only a couple years older than me. But, you know, you get the idea. Uh, He has done something that I previously thought was impossible. And I'm going to speak mystical here because Jesus addressed this thing I'm talking about. And you're not supposed to blow the horn. And, and, you know, so it's kind of like um, you have to talk about it in kind of a... Maybe you don't if you're not glorying. But let me just say this. That prior to Carl telling me what he accomplished... I thought what he did was impossible, literally. And then I I came across a couple books and some testimonies of people. Some people aren't even saved. And they are doing this spiritual discipline in a way that I never thought possible. And then I ran into Carl as we've been praying for him. And he shared with me what he accomplished. And I would have previously, I would have laughed in his face. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, tell me about it. Because I really thought what he did was impossible. You you probably know what I'm talking about, but I'm really trying to be really nebulous here. But I want to tell you something. He, there's no doubt, I know he's not lying, that he did what he said he did, and it is an incredible thing. So I want to be like him. But here's the key. If you talked to me just a year ago, this particular discipline, for the length of time that he did it, I would have said, that's not possible. That's not humanly possible. Apparently it is. And here's, what I want to, here's why I share this. You may be struggling with some besetting sin, some particular addiction, some particular snare, something that you just find yourself falling into. Time and time again. And so much so, maybe for years. Now remember what that quote again. I want to remind you, we'll close with this. We're going to pick up with it next time. It is hard to find my notes. It is hard to find where I want to find all my notes. It is hard. You ready? I think I found it. Come on now. Oh, here we go. It is hard for a slave to see positives. It's hard for a slave to see light at the end of the tunnel that's not an oncoming train. Now, let's, as I wrap up, if you've been, to talk about what this originally was, if you've been struggling with debt, and you've been struggling with debt so long, again, you know. You you may have just said, you know what, I'm just, I'm never going to get out of debt. I'm always going to have this shackle on my, you know, over me. I'm always going to have this albatross, this thing. I want to encourage you folks. In fact, thousands of people, way more than I thought in Delaware County, have gotten out of debt. We're not just talking about a couple hundred people. We're talking about thousands, tens of thousands of people that have just embraced a few biblical principles, like the borrower is servant to the lender. And they have put their mind to it. First of all, they've been motivated to do it. By the way, isn't that the biggest challenge? 
just to be motivated. So many times we get so discouraged. We are feelings. We just feel like we can't go on. And so it is. It is hard when you have a slave's mentality to see the positives. Praise God. The gospel assures us that that thing you think is impossible is not only very possible, but it is attainable. And by God's grace, you can do it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, help us. Lord, I know that in a message like this, there's different things people struggle with. And so I know um, that this is hitting a chord, different chords for different people. Uh, But Lord, I pray for those that are discouraged, those that are just feeling defeated because of nonstop, incessant, besetting sin that uh, they have failed so many times to resist a temptation and it has developed into a habit which almost seems to have embedded itself in their psyche and their being so they cannot imagine that they will ever be free of whatever it is that is tormenting them. And Father, I thank you that it is the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation. And I pray that as we continue expounding Romans chapter 6 and uh, the example that in the same way that we've yielded ourselves unto sin, now we have the, the in that same way, we can now yield ourselves to God. Lord, please put light at the end of the tunnel and make that light brighter that God's people would be encouraged and motivated to do whatever it takes to be able to live on the side of victory. And we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's take our hymn books out. Let's all stand.